0: Returning turning to God's Word, and we're turning to Revelation chapter 3 this morning. As you know, those of you who come here, I don't do series, and if I do, they're not long ones. That is, I don't take a book and preach on a Sunday morning, do that on weeknights, because I believe that you have to wait on the Lord for the Word of the Lord from His mouth. I've always believed that. I was taught that as a young Christian. And uh, sometimes it comes early and sometimes it comes late and sometimes you go down to the very wire. Sometimes it comes through somebody praying or a word that fastens on you from somewhere. And this word came on Monday night to me with a lady who prayed. And she prayed a certain sentence which God directed me to what I'm going to say this morning, so we're at Revelation chapter three, and we are at verse fourteen. Verse fourteen, and on to the angel of the church of Laodicea, write. Let me stop a moment and say the Lord Jesus is writing. Dictating to John on the Isle of Patmos and writing to the last of the seven churches in Asia Minor. Each of these seven churches cover a period of about 1,500 years. And scholars agree, even though they hold different eschatology views on these chapters and the chapter beyond. Uh, Most of them agree that this represents the Laodicean period. The Laodicean period of the church represents the church of Jesus Christ today in the Western world. While there were many problems with the other churches, uh, all six of them, uh, many of them were called, five of them after seven were called to repent. And he had something good to say about every one of the other ones. But he had nothing good to say about the church at Laodicea, the church that represents us today in which we live. Isn't that shocking? And it was because of their arrogance and their rebellion and their nauseating him. They slammed the door on his face. I tell you my friend they put God out of the schools now God has put them out of the schools they put God out of the homes and now they can't gather in their family to pray they shut the door on the face of God God help us And this church slammed the door in the face of the Lord. Now, Laodicea means, the word means, the voice of the people. This church ran by democracy. And the church of God does not run by democracy. It runs by theocracy, God. God. These people were what the people say we'll do. Can I say this very lovingly this morning? That across our province and further afield are dozens of so-called movements that have sprang up in the last number of years. They're man-made many Man-run many them. man worshiped many them. And I was reading where one sent out a questionnaire to where they were starting a church. "Come out the state of the church from your fathers." And you know, sometimes they have a point: Come out from the church of your fathers, and they sent a questionnaire out around a big house in the state. What sort of a church would you like? Well, the uh, answers were very many. We want a church that we can dress how we like? We want a church where we can have a say and we can have a vote. We want a church where there's tea and coffee. We want a church where one of them said where there's fifteen minutes of preaching. We want a church where there's no Bible, no, no hymn books, none of the old hymns. And on it goes. That's the lay of the sea in church of the hour. If you call it a church. We want to close it up in July and August. You see verse 14 here, and unto the angel of the church of Laodicea, the word angel there is the leader, the pastor, the minister of the church, and the word comes first to him. It comes first to the leaders, to the elders. It's they, spiritual men. The Bible said he showed his ways unto Moses. And his acts onto the children of Israel. He didn't show his ways onto the children of Israel. He showed his ways onto Moses. And Moses showed the act of God onto the children of Israel. That's leadership. And we need sound, strong leadership. Men that will make decisions. And I'm not a not don't, I don't agree with voting. Of course, you know that. I believe that you need strong leadership in the church. and not doing what we like. A.W. Tozer said this in 1950, and I'm not started to preach that. He said this in 1950, if God does not soon in the church raise up men to disturb the dead, fundamentalism. This was in 1950. I believe he was a prophet, Tozer. He says, if, the, if God doesn't raise up a man to raise dead fundamentalism, fundamentalism will turn into liberalism. Liberalism will turn into modernism. Modern will turn into atheism, and we have a generation of believers who are unbelieving believers who don't believe God. And Leonard Abenhill says it's not hyper Pentecostalism, and hyper Pentecostalism, let me say, has done a great harm. He says it's not hyper Pentecostalism that's the problem; it's dead fundamentalism. Verse twenty-one, verse sorry, verse fifteen. He says, "I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth." Are you proud? Are, you, are we not embarrassed today that this is talking to the church? Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and of need of nothing, knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. This is the words of the living Lord God. In fact, the last words... And I will show you this morning the last words to the church before the church was raptured. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eyesal that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, and he's not looking for big crowds or big numbers, he's looking for men. If any man, man, uh, men, that will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him. It's late, it's the supper time, it's the last meal of the day, and I'll show you that in a minute. And, And he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in the throne, even as I also overcame, and am sat down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were the voice of a trumpet which said, Come up hither, and I will show you things that must be hereafter. You never read of the church on earth after that. I'm not going into that this morning. This is, I believe, one of the great pictures of the, of the rapture. Come up hither. And that call is going to come very soon. May God bless to us the reading of His Word. We never lived in a day when people are more fixated and fascinated with future events. Many there are who make great efforts and go to great lengths to find out what's going to happen in the future. What's going to happen in the future as far as their families are concerned, as far as the church is concerned, and as far as the world is concerned. Now, in order to do this, some Turn to meditation. And let me tell you that it's rampant. They go into a dark room and they put in earplugs and they play soft music and close their eyes and breathe through their nose and out through their mouth, empty their minds, and if they do it long enough and often enough, they'll have a vista, for a vista of what's going to come in the days that lie ahead. It's off the devil and have nothing to do with it. And the second thing is just exactly that, it's divination. The tarot card and the crystal ball. Do you know that you can, you can get a crystal ball on Amazon, if you put it online, for nine pounds? And if you want a good one, you'll get 50 or 60 pounds. It'll tell you more. And they're flooding the market. Again, you go into a dark room and you fiddle about with it. And you'll see the man you're going to marry, and you'll see the house you're going to live in. And you see the job that you're going to work at. Don't have anything to do with any of them, nothing to do with it whatsoever. Don't touch these things, young, young people. And then there's the old thing of tessology. I thought that tea bags were the only thing now, but still people have tea leaves and they buy the tea leaves. Away down in West from where we were brought up on the farm, my mother spent many of her young years of her life as a nurse out in Buenos Aires in Argentina, and she came home with all sorts of things, I believe that's where she got them, and she used to have the tea leaves in the cup, and she used to call us children over to see and told us the tea leaves near the top of the cup where there, something was going to happen very soon, and if they were opposite the handle of the cup, there was something going to come, some storm or something else, and at the bottom of the cup, they were far away, and it was all demonic, it's all the work of the devil, and it's been fueled by the Harry Potter phenomena. Do you know that witch, and that which she is a witch, has 48 million books circulating? Sorcery and witchcraft. It's carried the minds in the, in the millions of the young people. Do you know that a recent survey was done amongst teenage girls? A recent survey. The greatest interests were not boys, it was not education, it was not fashion, it was not money, it was not popularity, it was witchcraft. Time magazine ran a thing about yoga, spreading like wildfire across the land. Children as young as three could levitate, levitate and fly like a bird and visit zoos and play parks. My friend, that's what we are up against. And the church has no power to counteract it. One of the national newspapers in England said some time ago that if it were not for the column on the stars, it wouldn't be worth selling. Their paper wouldn't sell. So what sort of a nation are we in? And what's going on? And it's oblivious. The church is really oblivious to it. You see, always remember this, when the king came, and that's the title of these messages I'm doing, when the king came the first time, every demon in hell attacked him. The powers of hell came out of all sorts of holes and trees and darkness and level place, and they hammered him from morning to night, and only had the power to cast them out. Let me tell you, when he comes the second time, and he's coming very soon, all the demons and all the powers of hell that can be got this morning can, are coming up this morning to attack the remnant and to attack the praying people and to attack the church. The fight is on. The battle's on. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of Satan are locking horns that you we never saw the like of as we come down to the Lord's return. But it's not meditation that we, the people of God, do, and it's not, in that sense, it's not divination, it's revelation. We have the word. This is the word of sure prophecy. This is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto a path. Thou wilt show me, Lord, the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. We shall hear a voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk you in it. We're not walking in the ways of the devil of the world. Walking in the ways of the Lord. This old book tells us where we come from. This old book tells us where to live and where we're going and when we're going and what comes next and what comes later. You know, down through the centuries, some mighty world-shaking events have taken place. Events to, to a measure that captured and captivated audiences all over the world. held people spellbound. Spell, riveted to radios, TVs, and any other phones or anything else they have. One of them was in 1969 when Neil Armstrong put his foot on the moon. Remember? Those of you who do, I, I remember listening to it. One giant step for man, one massive leap for all mankind. President Richard Nixon says, this is the greatest day that the world has ever seen. Uh, far from truth and foolishness. My friend, let me tell you, the greatest day that this world has ever seen was the day that the Lord God created it. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. And the greatest day that this world has ever seen was the day that he came into it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. One of the greatest days that this world has ever seen is when he hung on an old rugged cross naked there between the two thieves. I tell you, that was a mighty day. One of the greatest days was when he rose on the third day out of it and into heaven and it's going to be a mighty and a great day when he comes back again to rule. Can I say that the next massive and I know that there are people probably here this morning, and I'm preaching this for years, but I know there's people who don't probably fully agree with me and my view of eschatology and time. That's okay, and thank you for listening, and because I listen to all sorts of people and all sorts of views. well, we have to have our own views, and I have mine. The next, the next, my friend, the next momentous thing that's going to happen in this world uh, the man and the moon and the fall of the iron curtain, and the 9 /11, COVID and all will pale into insignificance. The next thing that could happen any moment according to this word and we have read about it here just now, this moment, in this last church of Laodicea, where he's standing outside the door, we have read about, it, is the evacuation of the Church of Jesus Christ from this world. The evacuation of every believer. Plans are in place. The scene is set and the Lord's at the door. The evacuation of Dunkirk will be Mickey Mouse. The evacuation of the thousands and millions of Jews that returned to their land and are still returning to the land will be a drop in the bucket. Some of these days, the trumpet's going to sound. It'll be as quick as the beat of a heart or the tick of a clock or the twinkling of an eye or the toll of a bell. And every born-again believer from Adam will come out and they'll come up and they'll come in to the presence of the king. Now, as we continue with this title, The King is Coming, let me just remind you of a few things. The Lord's return to this world is the second most important and spoken of doctrine in the Bible in the New Testament, apart from the gospel and salvation. There are 318 promises in the New Testament that the Lord is returned. Every New Testament writer mentions it. Only three of Paul, if you give him 14 epistles, only three of Paul's 14 epistles doesn't mention. 14 times in Matthew 24 alone, the Lord Himself speaks about His return. Now I know that there's people don't like the word "rapture, and they spiritualize and criticize and then ostracize no, and all that, I know that. And I know that the word "rapture is not in the Bible, and I know that the word "trinity" is not in the Bible, and I know that the word "substitution" is not in the Bible. And I go on with another number of words, and if you didn't believe in them, my friend, I wouldn't believe you're saved. You don't believe in the Trinity this morning. You believe in substitution this morning. No, you'll not get them words. Let me ask you this this morning. What do you think happened to Enoch? Well, the Word of God tells us that he walked with God and he was not and he was taken. But Enoch never died. What do you think happened to Elijah when the charge of fire came down and he was taken up and they sent men out to look for him? What do you think Paul when he was caught up to the third heaven? Actually that word caught up is the same word as we're reading here. Caught up. Same word in the first Thessalonians. Didn't the Lord rapture from the Mount of Olives wasn't he taken up? She wouldn't get it hard to believe that. But in these scriptures here we're reading this morning, it's not the Lord prophesying that he'll come back. It's the Lord coming back. It's materialized. It's realized. Once he spoke to this Laodicean church, he says it's supper time. This is the last church. This is the last meal of the day. It's late. It's dark. The night is far spent. You can can check this up if you want. The last time we read of this phrase, and we have read it many—you'll read it many times—in in, in Revelation chapter two and chapter three. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Any time from now on, in through Revelation, you'll only get hear what the Spirit has to say. Have an ear to what the Spirit has to say. Never mention the church after that. Not speaking to the church after. I'm speaking to the last church. I'm speaking to the in church. And is' telling the in church, it's late. And is telling the in church, you've shut me out. And that's what they've done this morning. i have shut him out. I've shut him out of the churches. And he's now shut them shut, shut out of the church. Now, hold on to me. You want to know what's going to happen? Well, we just briefly talked of that. The evacuation of every saint born from Adam, saved in the Old Testament or the New Testament, whatever it may be, let them be in dust, let them be in ashes. The trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain, we shall all be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'll tell you, that's going to be a mighty day. going to be a mighty day. But after the evacuation, and I'm speaking to the saints this morning, what's going to come exactly after? And I tell you this could happen before night. After the evacuation is the evaluation of the saints. What do you mean by that? Well, there's an examination. There's a tribunal And it's called the judgment seat of Christ. Where every man and woman born again from Adam, every last one of us will give an account from the moment he saved us to the moment he raptured us, to the moment we died. We'll give an account. Every deed, every word will stand before God. You see, there is a judgment not for sin, but for service. And that's very obvious through the Word of God and through the writers of the Gospels. My friend, there is a judgment day coming when we shall stand at what we call the Bema and we'll stand before God. And you know that every man and woman born again by the Spirit of God has a gift, one gift, two gifts, maybe three gifts. Maybe more. At least one. I did a series in here a good number of Thursday nights on wrapping our spiritual gift and a lot of God's people don't even know what their gifts are. Well, you'll give an account for it and so will I. We'll give an account for our gifts. If we're saved, we have a responsibility, we have an accountability and we have a liability. But let me emphasize this It will not be judged for sin. Sin was judged at the cross. All our sins and iniquities on him were laid. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Job says there's a bag for our sins. The psalmist says there's a bottle for our tears. Paul says there's a book for our name. And Job says there's a bag for our sin, and our sins are cast into the sea of God's forgetfulness, never to be remembered again, no more, forever. Hallelujah. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth me every day, every moment, from all sin. Christ was judged for my sins, and I'll not be judged for them. But I will be judged for my service. I will be judged for my talents, and my tithing, and my time. Let that sink in now. We'll give an account for our tithing. We'll give an account for our talents. And we'll give account for our time. I think it was Roy said in the prayer meeting, one night we sleep eight hours, we work eight hours. What do we do the other eight? I wouldn't want to be in the shoes of the elders and the leaders of this church at Laodicea. Makes me fearful. He says, I know thy works. I know them. And that word knows, a deep word. I know your heart. You see, it's not what goes on on the outside. My friend, it's not all the put on and all the numbers and all the show. It's in the heart. God knows the heart. And that's where we need to hit this morning the heart. He says, You're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. What an awesome statement. Do you know the Lord always preached from things that were happening? Hierophilus were six miles away from here, from Laodicea. There was a volcano erupted in Hierophilus and the pipe boiling water from the volcano underground down into Laodicea. And whenever it reached into Laodicea, it was lukewarm. I like a cold drink on a hot day and a hot drink on a cool day, but I don't like I never did like and never will like a warm drink on any day. It's all right for the babies, it's all right for we Emily and Archie and Harvey, the we ones that were born into this fellowship this year. It's alright for them. You can't give them hot boiling stuff and you can't give them cold stuff. It's all right for this room temperature is at about twenty at the minute here. It's all right for religion. For the apostate, ecumenical. It's all right for that. Let them keep that. But not, not for the blood-washed people of God. He says, I'll spew you out. I'd rather have you cold. And that word cold there is the word dead. He'd ra- I'd rather have you in your sin than lukewarm. That's awful. Well, then you read the word. Is he saying I'd rather have the drug addict and the drunkard this morning, and the paedophile? But you that have tasted of this heavenly manna, you that are you you that are putting on a show in your big church and all the rest of it, and all your money and all your goods and all your all everything that will that nobody else had. You, you make me sick. Well, I don't know about you, my friend, but I don't want to make the Lord sick. And that's what her sister prayed in the prayer meeting on Monday night. She just said that. She says, Lord, help us not to make you sick like the church is laid to see you. And God shot that into my heart. Wouldn't it be an awful thing that we were nauseating the Lord of heaven? The Lord of heaven. That he'd be broken out churches all over the Ulster today. There's no fire. There's no power. There's no anointing. You've not only left your first love, but you don't want it back. You've shut me out. Hypocrisy, carnality, lethargy, pride. Thou sayest, you're saying that you're increased with goods and you've need of nothing. Maybe that big numbers, maybe that great preaching—I don't know. But you're wretched. You're miserable. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. As heart heartbreaks. This morning, his heart breaks. This morning, for sinners, his son died for sinners. The spirit strives for sinners. But are we breaking his heart? You know what they said? They said, We don't need thee. There was, a, there was an earthquake in Laodicea in AD 60. And the Romans came to them and said, We'll build it for you. And they said, No, you'll not. We'll build it ourselves. We have plenty to build it. But this famous black wool, you see, that was transported all over the world. They were wealthy, but they were poor in the sight of God. Oh, we need a good dose of spiritual poverty. Don't I'm talking about myself? And if COVID-19 doesn't drive home to the believers in these thunderclaps of Psalm 78, my friend, if they don't drive us to our knees and pull back the door and say, Lord, come in. Come in, Lord. We've kept you out for far too long. It's not only the world is saying I'll not have this man to rule over me, it's the majority of the church. He's purging it and he's challenging it and he's humiliating it at the moment. And he's knocking. Knocking. And when are we going to humble ourselves? I was reading about Hezekiah the other day. You know, his father was a wicked man, and he closed and shut up and barred up the door of the temple. And the first thing that Hezekiah did was, when he came, he opened the doors. Oh, we need to open the door and the doors, and we need to let him in. These are the last words of the living, loving Lord this morning and here's what he says as I come to a close I counsel thee the Lord's counseling us this morning listen you get you get any commentary you like and most of them are sensible commentaries of evangelical commentary and you'll discover what I'm saying that this church was the church before the rapture behold I stand at the door and knock of any man hear my voice We need men with discernment. Do you hear his voice this morning? We need young men and women to hear his voice in these days. Not going to be big crowds. Any man? Is there a man here? Young man? Young woman? If any man hear my voice, I will open the door. I will come in and sup with him. It's late. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold. Listen, God's setting out his stall this morning as I close. God's setting in his stall this morning. He has things for sale. Things for sale. He has goods for sale, and some goods they are. Gold, gold. The most precious metal, the most precious currency that this world could afford then and can afford now is gold. God has gold for sale. Pure gold. No fake with him. Pure gold. Oh, the preciousness of it. It is gold tried in the fire. Fa- Let me say this the first and foremost thing that gold speaks of is Christ Himself. Speaks of His divinity. But no one like Him. It speaks of His royalty. He's a king. It speaks of his eternality, lasts forever. Speaks of his purity, purified and tried, tested and tried and purged and purified. Our Lord was not to purge the gloss, not to purge the dross. Not to purge the alloy out of him. No, no, no. He was wholly harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. He was a lamb without blemish and without spot. But he was tested and tried as gold is tried in a fire, and he come forth. What are you? What are you saying this morning? Are you saying this morning that God has things for sale? Yes. Yes. Well, Isaiah fifty-five says, "Come ye to the waters, and he that has no money, come by and eat, without money and without price." We're not talking about silver and gold this morning. He has things to s- for sale this morning. Not you'll not buy them with your filthy lucre. You'll not buy God, sinner, this morning. You're not saved. You're not by God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. He's offering you free this morning. Well, free in a sense, and you'll hear in a minute. Saint and sinner as I close, let me say this. The deal is, and there's one deal with God for both saint and sinner this morning, And that deal is repentance. That's what he says to them. Be zealous and repent. And take the gold tied in the fire. Oh, sinner, and I say this lovely this morning, and many listening to me away from this church this morning, it's not a matter of putting up your hand. It's not a matter of nodding your head. And it's not a matter of coming to the altar. And you know, Northern Ireland's full of people who made professions, false professions. And they're as hard as that, though. And you can't reach them. So somebody was looking for numbers. Somebody was trying to boost up his, 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 his denomination. Two last night, four the night before sick. You look for them. Look cool. for them. Reality, we're talking about what we see. I'm 74 years of age. I'm in this job for a long time. I, I've been round all this province, Scotland. I preached to all of them. I see it. It's not a matter, my friend, of nodding your head and putting up your hand. It's a matter of conviction of sin. It's a matter of a shame for your sin. And some of you believers are fiddling at pornography. That's why you're not in the prayer meeting. It's not a matter. It's a matter of shame and conviction and repentance in the presence of a holy God. There's a deal this morning, sinner, and there's a deal for you, Saint, this morning. The deal is this there has to be repentance. There's old things we'll have to go. No friends will have to go. No lusts will have to go. No ways will have to go. You see, there's one thing in coming to the cross, and praise God, men and women come to the cross and they get saved. But there's another thing to get on the cross and die. Tozer said, whenever you see seen a man carrying the cross, he was going one way and there was no return. He was going to die. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. And it's not easy. And it's not cheap. And to get gold, my friend, and to get the righteousness of Christ and the linen and the garments of Christ, righteousness wrapped around you, let me tell you this is costly. It'll cost you things. It could cost you a relationship. If you want to go through with God, it could cost you a relationship. A courtship. A partnership. An ownership. There has to be a complete and utter repentance down before the Lord and say, Lord, whatever has to go, has to go. I want to follow thee. I want you to come back into my life. I want to get the joy of my salvation. Repentance, godly sorrow, worketh repentance. And a broken and a contrite spirit he will not despise. And oh, what's it going to take to break us down to the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, here am I. Take my life and let it be. Don't sing it in the hymn, just say it take whatever you want Lord take my money, take my job take my home, take whatever you want I had to do that you know and it cost me I had to do that and mind you it wasn't easy I left a job at a thousand pound at a thousand pound a month in 1980 you calculate that now God put such a grip on me that it meant nothing to me And I left a job and I had two girls at primary school. And I had no work and Pat had no work. and just followed the word of the Lord. It's costly, let me tell you. It's not easy. And I'm not going to make it easy for you either. And some of you listening to me are thinking about what we call full-time service. I don't like that. It's all in being full-time service. You're thinking about all-time service for God and you're thinking about praying that God will show you anything. You, you, you just make sure. You make sure that you don't leave your work or your job or go into a pastorship for the whole country's coming down with men that got called on telephones and that's the only call they got. You make sure you have the call of God and stay in your work until you get it. That's by the way. There has to be repentance, frequently. I'm nearly done, restitution. If he brings anything up before you, sinner, saint this morning, that's not right. That when you get down before him to pray, boys, I could tell you stories of that all morning. When you get down before him to pray, if there's anything stolen, anything under false pretenses, any half-truths, to get a few pounds. It has to be restitution. That's, that's the deal. And then his deal is this. Regeneration. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done according to his mercy, as saved us by the washing of regeneration. Cleansing. Oh, the blood will cleanse us from every and all sin once we acknowledge and confess them. Regeneration, then restoration. He'll then restoration. He give you back the years that the locusts have eaten. David says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Lord, forgive me for slamming the door. You were speaking to me and I slammed the door. You told me this and I slammed the door. You wanted me to go here and I slammed the door. I slammed the door, Lord, because I wanted to go my own way and I wanted to do my own thing and I want to follow my own way. Well, i repent this morning and ask him and say to you, Lord, I'm going to open the door. There's repentance there's restitution. And his deal is regeneration, restoration, justification. Hallelujah. Justified by faith, we have peace with God. Justified by grace, justified through the blood, and he justifieth the ungodly just as if they'd never sinned. And your sins can be washed away, and you can do business with God. He says, here, come on, here's the gold. And soon it'll be glorification. Because in the next verse, verse, come up hither. Justified, glorified. I love that verse in Romans eight. Listen to what it says. Whom he predestinated he called. Hallelujah. Boy, he called me out of darkness into light one morning at a quarter past eleven, standing four miles on the side of him skin. Monday morning, broken, racked, and wretched. I didn't know anything about him. I said, Lord, if you're there, would you do something? And he called me, made me predestinated away before the hills in order stood. I don't understand that, but I know it. Before the old mountain drowned from manna was ever formed. he had set me apart, and you too. Listen, whom he predestinated, he called. Whom he called, he justified. You either believe it or you don't. And whom he justified, he also will glorify. None of you are saved and lost here. (laughs) I tell you, it's going to be a great day. Come up hither. The trumpet the sound. The dead shall rise. We'll all be caught up together to meet the... You want to know what's going to happen in the future? Evacuation. Evaluation. Justification. Glorification. Restoration. You can go on half a day. And I close with this. Reunification. <laughs> I tell you, we're going to be reunited with our loved ones. Could be before dinner time. Mothers united with their sons, daughters, we babies, fathers united with their sons, husbands with their wives. I tell you, the Lord hasn't left us as orphans. When that trumpet sounds and we come up and we shall be changed. And we shall sit down with Abram and Isaac and others we shall sit down. What would you be sitting down with if you didn't know them? From? You'll know them. We'll be changed, but oh my friend, get last Sunday night's tape here in heaven. You don't want to know what's going to happen. We're going there very soon. We could be there before night. We're on the last lap. The supper's almost over. The trumpet's ready to sound. He's going to come forth any moment. He's at the door. He says, will I find faith when I come? He will. And first of all, and best of all, we shall see him. We'll be reunited with him whom we have spoke to and prayed for over the years, who saved us. And all I can say this morning is this. If you get there before me, tell him that I love him with all my heart and tell him I'm coming. Let us pray. Oh, God, take away anything that has been of self or of flesh, anything that tied to grip a moment of praise or adulation for ourselves. Lord, we pray, Father, that your word will find a resting place today in the hearts of men and women, and that door will be flung open that men and women would be zealous and repent and turn for whatever their need may be. And Lord, thou wilt fill and thou wilt bless. Oh God, we're waiting on thee. We believe, Lord, that you're holding back for souls. We believe, Lord, that some of these days the last ridge tile will be put on the roof, and the last one will be gathered in, and God will come, the Lord will come. Oh, God, help us to be up and doing, and help us to pray for our loved ones that they'll all gather in on that day. Bless thy word. Accept our thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.